So if you have your Bibles, electronic devices, you can click to or turn to with me. Uh, Luke chapter 1, <coughs> excuse me, Luke chapter 1, verse 26 is where we're going to be this morning. And so if you've been with us, you know that we've been looking at the biographical sketches of men and women of the Old and the New Testament. And so the last couple of weeks, we were focusing on Christmas. And so last weekend, we looked at, at Joseph. And then this weekend, we're looking at Mary. And so Mary and Joseph really and truly like a power couple. I mean, there were this couple that said, together, we're going to serve God. And together, whatever God has for us, we're just going to serve him. We're going to live our lives obedient to him and obedient to his word. It wasn't a spiritual mismatch. Uh, one really wasn't any greater than the other. But when you look at Mary and Joseph, you realize that they were this power couple, that they both had a desire just to follow God, just to be obedient to him. And so last weekend, we looked at, we looked at Joseph's life. And, and, and then in case you weren't with us, we brought out that, that Mary and Joseph lived in some times that were, were unstable, much like our times have been. And there was a lot of instability going on in their world. And then even in the midst of that, they were able to navigate through that and to, uh, and to follow him. And so you know this, right? And we talked about it last week that over the last 20 months, for me, it seems like, like five years, and now it seems like 10 years. But we've only been in this for about 20 months. And so we've had to navigate some pretty big storms together, whether it's a global, pande- a global pandemic, then a global recession, now global inflation, and, um, and then, then, then we had that. We had to deal with the whole global racism and everything that that brought. And then we have political incivility. It just seems like nobody can be civil with one another, and there's a lot of yelling and screaming and talking over one another and attacks and politicizing and scapegoating and everything that goes with that. And then we have to navigate through social instability with all the shootings and the, the, you know, the smash and grabs and everything that's going on. And, so, and then if you have any personal crisis to add to that, it can be a little overwhelming. And Mary and Joseph, they, were, they lived in a society that was just totally unstable with everything that was going on. And so when we looked at this, we realized, and I started asking myself a question, and maybe you've had this question and maybe not, why did God use Mary? I mean, I think it's a legitimate question, and I think we need to know, I mean, why did God use Mary? I mean, why did, out of all the other women of their time that God could have, could have used and could have chosen, yet he, he chooses Mary, and I mean, we know this from Scripture, right? God is looking for people to use. And if you'll just make yourself available, if you will just make yourself available and say, I'm available for you to use me, then God will, will, will use you. And there's some people that may be here this morning and say, well, wait a minute, you don't know me. You don't know my life. You don't know my past. You don't know the choices that I've made. You don't know some of my decisions. And so I, I got like a two-word answer for you. You're wrong. You're just dead wrong. Because every one of us, none of us deserve to be used by God. We are all, in this room, we're all trophies of God's grace. There's not one of us in this room that have lived a perfect life. There's not one of, this in, of us in this room that deserves to be used by God. And so when you look at Mary, you have to ask yourself the question, why did God use Mary? Now listen, let me just tell you, just speaking from the Bible, there's a lot of misconceptions about Mary. I mean, never once does the Bible say that we're to worship Mary. Never once does the Bible say that we're to pray to Mary. Never once does the Bible say that she was sinless and perfect. Never once does the Bible say that, that she was God. Fact is, what makes Mary special? When you start looking at her life, she was an ordinary person. 
She was just an absolutely ordinary person that God used in an extraordinary way. I mean, when you look at her life and you just try to answer that question, why did God use Mary? It wasn't because of her wealth, because she was, she was poor. It wasn't because she was educated, because she was uneducated. And it wasn't because she was mature, because she was immature. She's, she, was, she was a teenager, for crying out loud. I mean, she was young. And so God used Mary because Mary trusted God. And God used Mary because Mary made her life available to him. Now, listen, Mary had to have had all kinds of fear. And fact is, we're going to even see that in the text, that Mary had a, a lot of fear, but yet she didn't allow her fear to control her. Fact is, in a few minutes, we'll read the text. But in Luke chapter 1, when the angel came to Mary and said, God is going to use you as a vehicle for Jesus Christ to come into the world, it says, it just says that she was confused and disturbed. In the Greek, it's really just one word. It's not two words, confused and disturbed. It's one word, and it means petrified. It means like scared to death. So now we know, oh, guess what? Mary had fear. But she didn't allow her fear to control her. And she didn't allow her fear to, like, override her desire to, to follow God. And so Mary, the best I can tell, she had four fears. And it's a lot of the same four fears that we can have if we want God to use us and we want God to use us in an extraordinary way. The, th the first thing that she had to overcome, she had to overcome the fear of criticism. I mean, what is, what, what is everybody going to think? I mean, I'm engaged to Joseph, and what is everybody going to think? I'm a virgin and I'm pregnant. What is Joseph going to think? What is my family going to think? What are people going to think? And so she had, to, she had to overcome because, listen, I'm telling you, if you follow God and you follow his plan for your life and you live differently, you will be criticized just like Mary was, whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether people you go to church with or, or in schools or whatever. And then she had to deal with the fear of the supernatural. I mean, she had just had to deal with it. Listen, I have so many Christians who are like totally uncomfortable with the supernatural about God speaking to you through his word or God leading you or God desire, desiring to use you. And so she had to deal with that. I mean, what is going to happen? Was it really God? Was is he the one that really said that? And then the fear of inadequacy. Every one of us have to overcome that fear. When God calls us, God asks us to do something, and, and we can have these inadequacies that, that come up in our life that, that how can I do this and how can I navigate? And Mary had the same things. And, and the last one was she had a, she had a fear of change. I mean, how is this going to change my life? I mean, I've got my dreams. I've got my goals. I've got my ambitions. I'm engaged to this really great guy, Joseph, and he has a job. We know where we're going to live. We have our whole life mapped out. And so am I going to have to give all that up? Am I going to have to change my priorities? Am I going to have to change my ambitions and my, my dreams and my life? And, and yet, in the middle of this, the message of Christmas is just Emmanuel, God with us. And even in a pandemic, even in a dark world, even in an unsettling time, sometimes we just need to be reminded, Emmanuel, God is with us. The Lord is, the Lord is with you. Regardless if you're just managing the five major headwinds that we're all facing, are there some personal crisis and some personal things that you're dealing with in your life? The Lord, the Lord is with you. And this is a time, I'm just telling you, this is a time that Christians need to stand up and just walk in faith and not allow their fears to override them or, or control them. Our neighbors, our friends, our family, our children, 
They need to see a group of people that are just that's still trusting God in the midst of unsettling times. So here's a Christmas story. I know that's a long intro. Uh, here's, the, here's a Christmas story. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the, and the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. That may be a word for you this morning. The Lord is with you. Emmanuel, God with us. And then he goes on and says, But she was greatly troubled by his statement, wondering what kind of greeting this would be. And then the angel told her, do not be afraid. So, oh, now we know. Mary had fear. For the angel to say, do not be afraid, she had to have some fears. Fear of change, fear of, an, uh, 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 fear of, of inadequacies, and fear of criticism, and all of those other things. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give you the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will, will have no end. And Mary asked the angel, How can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? And the angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One, will, one to be born will be called the Son of God. And, and consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she was conceived, even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who, who was called childless for nothing. This is important. For nothing will be impossible with God. And see, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. So I want to give you three things this morning. Three things that if you want to make yourself available to God, three things if you want to trust him and live in faith, uh, three things that, that will overcome. Fact is, is three things that overcomes the, 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 the four fears that we talked about. The first one is this. The, one of the reasons I believe God used Mary is Mary had a passion for God's will. And that's where it starts for you and I. You and I have to have this, this passion <clears throat> excuse me, this passion to, to follow God and this passion for God's will. And do you have to come to the place to where you say, you know what, Lord, I want you to use me in my, I want you to use me in my home. I want you to use me in my school or my place of business, my community, my church, that God, I want, I want your plan. I want your plan for my life. We talk all the time here at Fellowship of the Rockies that God has a custom-made plan for you. And he has a custom-made plan for me that, that fits with our, with, our, with our spiritual gifts and with our heart and our talent and our abilities and, and our desires, and he lines those up. But we have to, we have to make a choice to, to choose that. In other words, this isn't something that happens automatic in our life. We talked about this last week, how it related to Joseph. Joseph had to come to the place to say yes to God's plan. And Mary had to come to the place to choose God's plan and just cooperate with, with God. Because if you and I aren't careful, we can miss God's plan for our life. And we can squander our life. We can, we can blow our life. We can, we can never place ourselves in a position to where God can use us. And I, I really believe one of the one of the greatest satisfactions of life is, is when you know that God has used you as a conduit to encourage someone, to bless someone, to minister to someone, 
to know that somebody's life was changed because of you. I think that's why sometimes the, the reality t- TV shows are, were so popular, you know, where they'd go and they'd bless a family with a new house or bless a family with a remodel or bless a family in a certain way and they'd do the reveal right and people would cheer and people would cry and then people would have interviews afterwards and say what that, what that meant to them. I think there's something core in us, right? that we just want to know that we can, we can impact somebody's life or, or God can use us to help somebody. And so when you, when you look at this, you realize that Mary was this type of person. Mary was a type of person that she had passion just to do God's will. And this, one day this angel shows up and says, Mary, God has a fantastic plan for your, your life, and, and God is going to enter this world, and he's going he's gonna to use you, and he's going to come in the form of a baby. Have you ever thought? Of all the ways Jesus could have entered the world, why did he choose to come in the form of a baby? I think a couple of things. There's only two that I can come up with. You may be able to come up with more. One is, is there's something about disarming about a baby. I mean, there's something about just, I mean, still, when we see the baby in a manger, there's something about disarming that. And he came in the form of a baby because he didn't want to frighten us. He didn't want to scare us. There's thousands of ways that he could have come, yet he comes in the form of a baby. And the second thing is this, is he wanted us to know that, that he entered this world the same way as us, and he can re- relate to us. He can empathize with us. He, he knew some of the same hurts and pains that we have known. That's why in Hebrews it says that we have a high priest, Jesus, who can sympathize with all of our weaknesses, with all of our struggles, yet he did not sin. But when you look at this, he came in the form of the baby, and he was, came into this world the same way that we enter this world, right? And he faced some of the same challenges. I know Jesus knew what it was like to be betrayed by his friends. He knew what it was like to be denied by his friends. He knew what it was like to be criticized. He knew what it was like to be judged. He knew what it was like to be maligned. He knew what it was like to have a loved one die and mourn that. And so we have a high priest, listen, I'm telling you, that can sympathize with our weaknesses and sympathize with our struggles and sympathize with our pain. Yet he did not sin. And so, so, so Mary, uh, Mary, look at this. Here's her response in verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And we're going to stop right there. And listen, that word magnify it, the, the original comes back in the Greek to the word microscope. In other words, making an object appear larger than it is. You cannot magnify and make God bigger than what he is, right? But you can magnify him in your heart. You can change your perspective. For all of a sudden you magnify him, you see him bigger than your struggles and bigger than your problems and bigger than what you're going through. And Mary was this type of person. And so it says, Mary... Uh, And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my soul rejoices, or my spirit rejoices in in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble conditions of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And so God will use people that just desire to be used, that just want to be used. And when you look at this, you realize there's a couple of things. When, when you look at this issue of passion that Mary had, one of the things was, was just this enthusiasm. I mean, it says my soul magnifies or my soul glorifies the, the Lord. And so for Mary, this was no like grin and bear it. That God, you know, I'll just, I'll, 
I'll suck it up and I'll gut through this. This is what you want me to do. I'll just do it. Nothing has ever been accomplished. Nothing great has ever been accomplished without enthusiasm, without passion, without excitement. This is a huge principle in sports, right, about this enthusiasm, this passion for the sport or this passion for the game, whichever they play. And the same is true in the Christian life. There's something about enthusiasm. There's something about a person with, with tolerance. So this wasn't about acceptance or this wasn't about tolerance. And for Mary, is a matter of eagerness. I mean, she could not believe that she's been asked to, to do this. And, 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 and the second thing you see in Mary's life, and it's just so cool for me, she had humility. I mean, when she said, because he looked on favor on the humble condition of his servant. Mary wasn't arrogant, and Mary wasn't prideful. I mean, the first thing that Mary responded to God wasn't that, hey, I, I wondered when you were going to get around to choosing me. You're lucky I'm on your team. You're lucky I'm going to follow you because of all of my gifts and all of my abilities, and, 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 and I'm, like, I'm like really, really wonderful and all of this other. No, that wasn't Mary. Mary's like, I am just a, her, a humble servant guy. Listen, I'm telling you. Every one of us in this room, I'm a trophy of his grace. I promise you, my background, the people I knew in high school and, and the people I knew in college, and, and then I came to faith in Christ in college, I mean, that whole group, like that, that pre-faith to cross Christ group, they're totally shocked that I'm a preacher. I mean, when they find me on social media or whatever, they're like, what? I mean, can you believe this? What? I still get that. I st there, if you had have known me before Christ, you would have said, you know what? That guy will never be a preacher. That guy will never follow Christ. I'm just telling you, when the bottom dropped out of my life and I met Christ in college, there is something, I'm just telling you, there is something that radically changed in my life. And I just wanted to follow him. I just wanted to, I, I, rem, I, I still remember, and maybe you do too, I still remember what it was like before Christ. No forgiveness, no hope, no meaning in, in life. I say all that just to help you understand, none of, listen, none of us deserve to be used by God. We are all trophies of his grace. Mary wasn't perfect. Mary wasn't without sin. She just had passion. She was humble. David, remember King David, right? He wasn't perfect. He wasn't without sin. It was said of him, that, but he had this passion a man after God's own heart. And David writes in Psalm 40, verse 8, he says, I delight to do your will, my God, and your instruction is deep within me. And so how do you and I know? Listen, how do you know that you want to be available to God? How do you know? Well, you have to have a listening ear. Mary had a listening ear. In other words, Mary listened to God. The way you and I know that we want to put ourselves in a position so that God can use us, the way that, the way that you know that is are you listening to God? Do you daily open up Scripture and just read Scripture? 
That's why we life journal here, and that's why we walk through the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice, and we, we find our Scripture, that Scripture that speaks to us, that Scripture that encourages us. We make an observation. We make application. We make a prayer. And then we carry that with us throughout the day. Are you listening? Listen, are you listening? Because he speaks to people. <coughs> Excuse me. He speaks to people who are listening to him. And one of the reasons God used Mary is Mary was listening to him. And she listened to him in worship like you're doing today. And she listened to him and daily just look at his word. Look at this, Luke chapter 2, verse 19. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. So what are the things that she treasured up in her heart? God's word, the things God said to her. And so she just didn't read a verse and push it to the side. She meditated on it throughout her day. God, how can I show kindness and how can I show grace? How can I encourage someone? How can I help? How can I take this verse <clears throat> that you have given me this morning and apply it to my life? Here's the second thing. Mary not only had a passion for God's will, Mary participated in God's will. Mary had a passion, and then she was willing to participate in his will. It was, it was Mary's life. In fact, as you can see this all through, all through the scriptures when, when you look at Mary's life, she always was this person that never said no to God. I cannot find one place where God asked her to do something. She said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. She was one of these people. And, and, and so, so when, 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 the, when the angel came to Mary and told Mary what, she wanted, what, what he wanted her to do, and it was going to change everything in Mary's life, she didn't say, you know what, hey, find somebody else. Isn't there somebody else that's going to like volunteer for this? Isn't there somebody else that you, that you can use to do this? I mean, after all, I've got my schedule. I've got my priorities. I've got my ambitions. I, I have my plans. And she says, can't you? She never said, can't you just find somebody else? Man, when you look at this, it's about, just, just real quickly, it's about calling and not comfort. And Jesus, Jesus talked about this a lot in Scripture. It's something that we don't regularly talk about in, 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 in church because we want to make it sound like it's just easy, as, just, just easy to do. But it's about calling and not comfort. There's a cost. I'm just going to tell you. There's a cost to following Jesus. There's a cost to radically following him and listening to him to where what he says is more important to you than what anybody else says to where you understand where your identity is and some of those other things. I'm telling you, there is a cost. There is a cost to following him. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, hey, count the cost. Just count the cost before you follow me. Just count the cost. I mean, Jesus was upfront and honest about this. As I'm telling you, in 2022, if you just simply, if you just simply made the decision and said, you know what, in 2022... I'm going to radically follow him. I'm going to say anything he asks me to do, I'm going to say, yes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow him whether it's politically correct or not. I'm going to follow him regardless of what anybody else judges me, criticizes me, says about me. Any, I'm, listen, it will come as a cost to you. And it may come in the four. It may come in, in just, just fear of criticism or fear of the supernatural or fear of change or fear of inadequacies. But there's a cost, but I'm telling you, there's something. When you follow him in crisis, I don't believe crisis makes people great. I believe what happens when crisis, the greatness in you comes out. 
I believe there's something about crisis that all of a sudden it clarifies values, it clarifies beliefs, and some of those other things. And so Luke chapter 1, verse 31, it says, Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you'll name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. So that's important. Kingdom will have no end. In, that's, the, that's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God will have no end. This is not a political statement. Governments will come and go. Leaders will come and go. But the kingdom of God will live forever. We are kingdom of God people. We understand the kingdom of God. Verse 38 says, See, I'm the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. And the angel left her. That's, that's just like a serious question or a serious statement. I think maybe wonder if that's the reason God used her. Because he knew that she would be the one. May it, may it happen to me as you have said. There's a story in the Bible that is just, um, just really influential in my life. It's a story the disciples are like fishing and they weren't catching any fish, and Jesus, you know, screams from the, screams from the bank, "Hey, throw the nets out on the other side." With that, it was ridiculous because you wouldn't catch fish that way, and we could go into why, but just trust me that no fisherman would like do that. But if you're a fisherman, you know this. If you spent the day and you're not catching fish. If someone just gives you a tip, you'll try it, right? Whether it works or not, you'll try it. I mean, you're just desperate. Fishermen like to catch fish. I mean, fishermen, I mean, you just give a fisherman a tip and they'll go try it, right? Because fishermen like to catch fish. And so anyway, so the disciples are fishing. They're not catching anything. Jesus screams out for the bank and says, hey, throw it on the, on the other side. And the disciples said, even though it was a crazy idea, the disciples looked at Jesus and said, hey, because you said so, I will. This is Mary. She lived her life. Because you said so, I will. Because your word says so, I will. Because you asked me to do this, I will. If you're a serious Christ follower, then you understand your identity is in Christ. Your identity is not being an American. Your identity is not found in anything like that. Your nationality or your back, anything. Your identity is in Christ. Paul understood that, right? Paul was a Roman citizen, a superpower of their day. He was a Roman citizen. He started every letter like I, Paul, what? A servant of Christ. My identity is in Christ, and I serve him. This was Mary. Mary understood the kingdom of God. And Mary understood what it meant just to follow him. I mean, she sacrificed her comfort. She sacrificed her reputation. Can you imagine? I mean, sometimes we, we look back on the story and we don't realize, like, like put ourselves in the story in, in, in present tense. Can you imagine what people said about Mary behind her back? Can you imagine what they said about her down at the church? I mean, it, it, it wasn't until Jesus was 30 years of age that he does his first miracle. And can you imagine what everybody's saying? Poor Mary. She's trying to convince us that the, the baby is God. 
She sacrificed her comfort. She sacrificed her reputation. It wasn't until Jesus was like 30 years old, John chapter 2, it's just crazy, crazy story, that it's his first miracle. Remember they're at the wedding, and the wedding host runs out of wine. That's a horrible thing as a wedding host to run out of wine. So wedding host runs out of wine. And so, so Mary goes to Jesus and just makes this statement and says, hey, out of wine. Now listen, if you had a Texas mother like I, like I did, and if you were raised in the South when I was raised in the South back in the day, I mean, my mom, and things were different in those days, like we actually knew our neighbors, and we, we helped one another, we visited, you know, all of those other things, and so the days were different then, so some of you may have trouble relating, but I was raised um, in Texas, and whenever my mom would say, hey, out of sugar, us kids knew what that meant. Go next door, get some sugar. I mean, we just knew. You know what? The trash is filling up. We knew what that meant. She didn't have to tell us to take out the trash. We just knew, right? And now we know where that comes from right now. I know where this started right here. And so, so Mary looks at, at Jesus and says, hey, out of wine. And Jesus says, my, my time has not come. Mary could have cared less. She blew right past it turns to the servants with him there, turns to the servants and said, hey, fill up the water. Or, or, or she turns to the servants and says, whatever he tells you to do, you do. And Jesus knew what all that meant. So he said, well, fill up the water jars. And they fill up the water jars. And then Jesus says, take a cup of the water, take it to the wine taster. You ever wondered when the water became wine? Now, this is huge. I mean, this is a huge... Have you ever wondered? Because I believe as they were going, as they took the step of faith, as they got into the, 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 the water jar, they could see to the bottom. They could see it was water. They took the cup out. It was an act of faith. As they were going, Perrier became Chardonnay. Something happened along the way. If we had all the answers, it would not be faith. You want God to do something in your life? You want God to do something this season? As you're go- what, what, whatever, because you say so, I will. May it be said of me what your word says. I'm just going to take a step. I'm just going to go. And as I'm going, I'm going to trust that Perrier becomes Chardonnay. Can I tell you just real quickly, and we'll move on, we'll grab the third principle. The last prayer I pray before I preach is, God, would you turn water to wine? I know my notes, and I know what it says. And I'm like, God, I could use a little help here. Would you be willing just to turn water to wine that ministers to people, that changes hearts and changes lives? The third and the last principle is this, is Mary persevered in God's will. Mary not only had a passion for God's will, Mary had, um, she not only had a passion, but she also just persevered in God's will. This may be the this may be the important one and the, 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 the most difficult one to, to live out. Because people of faith, if you're going to trust, listen, if you're going to trust God to turn water to wine, if you're going to trust God to do something in your life, then it's going to take courage. 
Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is moving ahead in spite of your fear. Fact is, I think a better word for courage is faith. Because if we're honest, if God calls you to do something that's bigger than you, then it takes courage to take that step. It takes courage to take his word and apply it to your situation. And when you look at Mary, Mary was a woman of deep faith. And she didn't have all the answers, but she knew who did. And she knew that God would lead her and guide her in his will and give her the ability to do whatever he has asked her to do. Now, listen, I, I, I think, I think this is the most important one for us to understand. Because one of the things that I've noticed through crisis and through hurt and pain, people that once followed God in a radical, passionate way quit persevering. And they either give up, they quit worshiping, they quit reading Scripture, and all of a sudden, listen, this issue of perseverance and endurance is talked about through Scripture. When you look at Mary, Mary was comfortable with, with his miracles. And Mary was comfortable with what God... Look, here, here, here's the thing about endurance. It's found in Hebrews chapter 2, uh, chapter 12, I'm sorry, verse 1 and 2. And it's talking about Jesus, and it's talking about the reason that Jesus endured, and, and this has a principle for us, and it says this. Therefore, since we're also such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Run your race. Don't run somebody else's race. Don't compare yourself to somebody else and what God is doing with them. You run your race, and I'll run my race. And so he goes on and says, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, here's the important thing. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So how was it, how was it that Jesus was able to endure? How did he endure the cross, the betrayal, the hurt, the beatings, the crucifixion, all of that? The reason is, is this, the joy set before him, the kingdom of God, the joy set before him. How do you persevere through pain? How do you th persevere through crisis? You have to set joy before you. If you have nothing to look forward to, you have lost hope. You have people that persevere understand these principles, and they're able to set the joy before them, whether it's a celebration, whether it's whatever. You have to have something set before you. And when you look at Mary's life, Mary was challenged all the way through, yet she persevered. The last time we get a glimpse of Mary in Scripture was Acts chapter 1, verse 14, waiting for the Holy Spirit in the upper room. I've been in the upper room in Israel and Mary was there with the other believers, and what are they were doing? They were, they, were still, they were still radically following Christ, and they were waiting for the arrival and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And you see this in Mary's life all the way through that she lived obedient for him. Now, there's a scripture that has meant a lot to me that I just want to read to you, and then we'll close. How's that? So it says in, in, in Psalm chapter 34, 8, and this verse took on a, a new meaning for me. Uh, a while back, many of you know that my wife and I have had COVID, and so we, we have recovered, except for I still, I still struggle and I still fight with fatigue. Uh, I still fight that, and then I have lost my taste and smell, and so I, I have no sense of taste. I mean, everything tastes the same. I mean, it was a crisis when I couldn't taste bacon. It was just a crisis. It was... I mean, it, I mean, I mean, now, I mean, now that's a, hor that's a horrible deal. 
And I don't know, many of us in this room may have experienced losing your taste. But here's what I noticed about when you lose your taste. When you lose your taste, the things that you once thought were good, you no longer think they're good. You no longer desire them. It's a great weight loss program. I mean, why eat ice cream if you can't taste it? I mean, why? I mean, why eat a hamburger when a rice cake, they taste the same? <laughs> I mean, might as well eat vegetables, right? Get some benefit out of it. it, it, it so when you, when you lose your taste, and my wife brought up, she says, oh, not only that, when you lose your taste, you no longer have cravings. You no longer have cravings. I mean, right now, I look forward to the day when I get my taste back because when I get my taste back, I'm going downtown. I'm having a pizza. I'm having a big pizza. I am having a, I'll see you downtown. And so I'm, I'm, I'm having a pizza. That's what I'm having. But when you lose your taste, you no longer have cravings. You no longer desire some of the things you once did. Now look at this verse, Psalm 34, 8. Here's what it says. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person, how happy is the man or woman who takes refuge in him? You want to be happy? You take refuge in him. You want to be happy? You continue to taste and see that the Lord is good. How do you taste and see that the Lord is good? You still open up his word. You still read scripture, apply it to your life. You still, you still continue to worship. You still continue to serve him. You still continue to pull close to him because if you're not careful, in the midst of crisis, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of pain, you will push scripture away and you will no longer read it. And you'll no longer apply it to your life. You'll no longer enter into worship, whether it's online or whether it's in person. You'll no longer continue to serve. You'll no longer say, if you say so, I will. Whatever is said of your word, may it be said of me. And then you know what's going to happen? You're going to slowly lose your taste. You'll still be his son. You'll still be his daughter. Not going to lose your salvation. Not saying that. You'll no longer crave him anymore. And maybe once in your past, you knew he was good. And you knew he blessed you. But something happened and you lost your taste for him. Emmanuel, God with us. May you just taste and know that the Lord is good. How happy is the man, how happy is the woman that takes refuge in him. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?